Whenever we sit down to watch a movie, we tend to have certain expectations. Of course, a movie should be able to stand on its own and be judged by its own merits, but as viewers, we rarely choose to watch a film with zero expectations for what we're about to see. Whether we base those expectations on a genre, a filmmaker, an actor, or even a franchise, if our assumptions aren't met, that can affect how we feel about the movie itself. Sometimes subverting our expectations can be great, but sometimes it can leave us feeling disappointed or worse. The original Halloween came out in 1978 and became a huge success, then the second Halloween came out in 1981 and continued the same story of the same night with the same characters. Only a year later, in 1982, Halloween 3 hit theaters, and if you were buying a ticket to see Halloween 3 on that initial run, you might have understandably been a bit disappointed. You did not get a continuation of the story of Michael Myers and Laurie Strode, and you didn't even get a slasher movie. What you got was a sci-fi thriller and an attempt at turning the Halloween franchise into an anthology series. So is it possible to judge Halloween 3 completely on its own, or are our feelings on it forever altered by its association with one of the greatest slashers ever made and its gory, fun sequel? That is one of the main questions I'd like to address tonight as we take a look at Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, here in The Last Theater. Welcome to the third episode in The Last Theater's franchise retrospective for the entire Halloween series. My name is Chris, and with me once again is Joey. Say hello, Joey. Hello, it's good to be back, and it's good to be talking about Halloween 3. Yes, and of course, if you have missed any of these franchise reviews so far, Halloween or Friday the 13th, which we did a long time ago, head over to cnjradio.com, or you can search for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many other podcasting platforms and let us know what you think but let's just jump right in to halloween 3 season of the witch all right chris i'm gonna do something a little bit unconventional okay cut right to the crash here okay there's gonna be a crash later on too but i'm gonna cut to the crash on this dialogue here chris do you like this movie yes i like this movie okay do you agree with all of the other let's say horror pundits of the world Uh that and who knows how they felt the first time they watched it. I'm going to yeah. be honest about how I felt uh, okay. as we do this episode. Sure. But the it seems like the consensus of the horror pundits now say, good movie, 
not part of the franchise, should have been called something else, all this other stuff. And there's some people that say, I would have liked it for it to continue on as an anthology series. Right. And with all these neat, crazy ideas, I mean, you know. In short, do you agree with the pundits saying it's, it's good now in retrospect, especially for that reason? Yes, I will say it's a pretty good movie. It's not a great movie, but I do enjoy it for what it is, which is a cheesy sci-fi thriller, basically. It's not really even much of a horror movie, in my opinion. No, um, it, no. Yeah, I mean, there's some gory deaths. But yes, I think that um, looking back on it and saying, yeah, I think Halloween probably would have been better if it had continued as an anthology. Unfortunately, with the second one being about Michael Myers as well and Laurie Strode, that kind of took away that option of making it an anthology series. Because once you do that, you already, like I was saying, you set those expectations and now it feels weird and you can't really go forward like four, five, six, whatever, unto infinity. Even though it would be a cool idea to do that, they already kind of shot that out of the water by doing those first two like they were, I think, in my opinion. Yeah. And I, I'm going to say right off the bat, I remember the first time I had a conversation about this movie with you, Chris. Okay. And I happened to be in the room with you and your dad, who okay. is, uh, I, I definitely say that he's a horror expert. He's a lifelong yeah, horror fan. Sure. And, yeah. and you know, his his reviews and his opinion of certain films holds a lot of water with me. Always has. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I remember, like, kind of just saying real quick right there, like, ah, that, that, that one sucked. You know? Yeah. And he goes, well, actually, <laughs> it's not a bad movie at all. It's yeah. just not a Halloween movie. It's, yeah. It is and it isn't. And it should have just been called Season of the Witch. This is definitely yeah. something that you hear from a lot of people. Definitely should have been called Season of the Witch right, right. off the bat. So I remember when he said that, I was like, well, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, it did have an effect on me. Because, once again, much like Halloween 2, my initial viewing of this was uh, on television. A, mm. It was definitely a matinee afternoon showing yeah. on uh, probably KTVT Channel 11, Dallas Fort Worth. <laughs> and, I, yeah, it was probably like a Sunday afternoon during October. And I had no idea what was going on. I thought I was going to... I saw... I looked at the TV listings that morning. I'm like, ooh, Halloween. Yeah. And I had that expectation of Michael Myers being there. Right, yeah. Didn't get that at all. If I hadn't seen the opening credits, I'd have been like, they just showed the wrong movie. Right, they put the wrong label in the TV guide or yeah. whatever, yeah. Oh, yeah, which has happened before. Yeah. And, and probably does to this day. Yeah. They still uh, make TV guides? Uh, yeah yeah i think they do yeah, right. it's, it's 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 a new thing uh, anyway but uh, i'll look into that later but uh yeah yeah was my initial reaction was yeah. i didn't i didn't get it i didn't like it and even with the restraints of a tv edit yeah and when you think about that they probably yeah. didn't have to edit a whole lot of stuff off of it either yeah which is interesting i'll get into that in a second no. because of like the struggles behind the scenes it seems like everyone since the first one so far has been a struggle to make like a push and pull <laughs> right. behind the scenes and that has kind of a little bit to do with it but i will say that yeah like me too um i was too young to have seen this to remember seeing this because it was 1982 when it came out sure and, of course and you were too young as well yeah and so i have only watched these as part of a franchise knowing that it is a series of michael myers and then when i saw it I, I don't really remember my initial reactions to it, but I rem remember probably feeling about the same way. It's like, this isn't Michael Myers. And the fact that you see Halloween playing in the movie a couple times <laughs> only makes it worse. It's yeah. that thing, don't show a good movie in your not-as-good movie, because I'm just yeah. going to want to watch that. Yeah. And the even little Inception moment in this one, kind of harkening back to something we said in the previous ones, is they use 
the music from the original Halloween playing on a TV in the actual movie as the music for part three as it's playing. So it's that really unique way of doing what we said with, uh, was it Forbidden Planet? Yes. They were using the sound from yes. the first one? Yeah. So it's that same thing reused again, but it kind of just makes you want to see Michael Myers. At least it did for me. It's definitely, a, I can imagine being in the theater like yeah. with all the fans that night going, yeah. Yeah, that's who we wanted to see. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of that. I, I, it wasn't until this viewing with you, Chris, that mm. you pointed that out, and my mind was blown. <laughs> I was like, "Good on you, Tommy Lee Wallace." Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and, and so I've watched this probably another five times since I first watched yeah. it, and I quite enjoy it. it, it it's I a grower. Know. It's I'd say it is a true grower. Yeah, uh, in that sense, yeah. because now once you get past all the bullshit, <laughs> yeah, it it's you start to kind of start watching it and judging it on its own merits. Yeah, and so that's exactly what I was saying. Like the expectations that you had when you were younger, yeah, it was like this is this is not any good because it's not mm-hmm. what I wanted. But then when you kind of separate it from it and just watch it on its own, on its own, it's like yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's yeah. more of a heavily inspired by like invasion of the body snatchers so it's very much that old sci-fi ish thriller as opposed to the more like gothic inspired and like jalo inspired slashers of the first well the first one maybe not the second one the second one was more like friday the 13th inspired sure and and getting right off into spoilers here it even ends like invasion of the body snatchers yeah yeah so (laughs) So. heavily heavily inspired and (laughs) He even said it in the commentary, yeah, actually. And so. trivia, the town that they go to, Santa Mira, was the name of the town in Nation of the Body Snatchers. So, yeah. yeah it, was, it was no coincidence that all that was a thing. Um, but before I forget, I wanted to say, like, you were talking about the TV edit and having to edit out some of the, the gorier scenes. The, the gore that was added, actually, later. Really? Because initially, um, Tommy Lee Wallace, who worked as an editor and production designer on the first two, I believe... Yeah. Um, this was because I remember definitely the first one. Yeah, because he was given the option of directing part two, but he passed on it because yeah. he didn't like the script. Exactly. Um, but he directed this one and he uh, wrote this one. He's credited as the writer. Sure. Um, although John Carpenter did help come up with the story, and actually, someone who's not credited that I found out while doing some research for this was yeah. a guy named Nigel Neal, who worked on the Quatermass experiment, which was something that inspired John Carpenter in everything he's done like back the like uk like sci-fi stuff i think from the i want to say 50s or 60s wowza but if you remember on our prince of darkness review carpenter credited himself as something quatermass as the writer because he was inspired by that and nigel neal was the writer initially of the script for season of the witch which later got changed and modified Mm. as it went along so it's this whole circle of inspiration i think is pretty cool that's really cool. I, I knew none of that. Yeah, so. but long, that was... A you should big, edit IMDb. Right? That was a big <laughs> tangent I just went on there. But my point was, initially, Tommy Lee Wallace wanted it to be like straight sci-fi thriller, but the producers or whoever, the higher-ups in charge were like, well, we need this to be a horror movie. So they kind of made him put in some of the gorier scenes in the movie, like yeah. the woman getting blasted in the face yeah. and things like that. Because there's not a lot in it, and it feels kind of tacked on in places. I guess so. Um, so yeah, yeah, even like I could see the homeless guy character 
not being in the original script. Yeah. And he's added just to kill him. That's that's all he's there for, yeah. He yeah. doesn't serve really... Well, I mean, he warns Tom Atkins' character, yeah. uh, Dan, um, a little bit. But that's about it. He's not really yeah. much of a, a factor in the plot. But he wouldn't have to be there to make him paranoid. Like, well, yeah, it just adds a little something extra yeah, to it. Yeah, paranoia, he was already feeling it. Because yeah. you already saw the cameras and all this other stuff by this point, so... Yeah. Yeah, I feel like maybe that could have been an added, but yeah, who knows? For sure. Yeah, yeah it's it's tough to say because I'd like to read the novelization of this. There's, there is one, by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah. Apparently, it's cool. obviously hard to come by at this point. Yeah. I'll mention it later on when we talk about the ending. But yeah. yeah. But the main thrust of the movie, if you haven't seen Season of the Witch, yes, I would suggest watching it. If you're avoiding it because it's not a Michael Myers movie, just put that out of your head don't call it halloween 3 just call it season of the witch the main yeah. story is just put your hand over like part of the screen when <laughs> right. it comes up yeah just that, that's like that i do part, yeah 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 is <laughs> tom atkins plays uh dan chalice i think his name is he is Doc- doctor doctor doctor, doctor dan, dan chalice yeah, yeah. he's a doctor <laughs> and this guy at the beginning of the movie comes running down this really cool shot you know you were talking about you love the opening shot is that underpass yeah and the guy comes running out of the darkness and he's chased by someone else coming out of the darkness yeah which we at that same time are like it's like coming out of the darkness just like in the first one yeah, yeah. with the closet shot or hallway yeah. shot or yeah, whatever just that is. on a, a wider scale yeah. And um, basically, it's a whodunit kind of murder mystery kind of thing because this guy ends up getting killed after he goes, he's taken to the hospital where Tom Atkins' character works. Um, he's killed in the hospital, and Tom Atkins, I'll just call him Dan from now on, so I don't want to say Tom Atkins every time. Dan meets the man's daughter, Ellie, and they go off to this town to try to figure out why he was killed. And that's pretty much the main thrust of the story. Find out that there are. There's magic involved and witches, sort of, although Season of the Witch is kind of a really broad title that doesn't necessarily... It feels to me like um, the Phantom Menace, like in the first Star Wars. It feels kind of more... It doesn't really explain what's happening in the movie, you know? I think most people could at least get their head around the fact that there could have been witch seances around Stonehenge. Yeah, exactly. Which I know this opens up a whole other can of worms. (laughs) Stonehenge plays a large factor in the movie. It actually bookends the movie because it's at the end and you see it on the television, which you pointed out to me um, because I didn't remember that. It's been so long since I've seen the movie. But yeah, so it's a good movie. They they connect it beginning to the end. Yeah. Yeah. At least Tommy Lee Wallace has enough integrity to like, okay, I need these things in the script. Right. And that's not what he was seeing in Halloween 2. Right. And, you know, I, I gotta say right off the bat, I think Halloween 2 would have been better if Tommy Lee Wallace had directed it. I agree, because I do think that this movie, it's very plot-driven. One thing leads to another, and it's you can tell that he had to pay a lot of attention to how to get characters to certain places. Whereas in 2, it's pretty much Michael Myers kills people in a hospital. That's really all there is. There's not really any major plot points in that. The one major plot point of, like, uh, Loomis going off to the school was kind of... There wasn't really much of a point to that. No, no. Except to, like, get that other point across that shouldn't have been in the movie in the first place. But I feel like this movie kind of follows that plot point a little bit in that it's this big... Because in that one, it was Sam Hain was written on the the chalkboard mm-hmm. and I, I don't know that it's the same i forget the name of the festival or the the celtic pagan ritual or whatever it is sure. in this one season of the witch yeah. that the town's the, the overlord of the town cochran is his name yeah. that he's trying to bring about through a very convoluted <laughs> and 
kind of nonsensical way involving Stonehenge and masks and children and bugs and snakes. Um, it's it, yeah. It's it feels like it's the same thrust from that Sam Hain scene in part two, but just expanded in really weird directions. I try to sell people on this movie uh, by being real general on the plot. Yeah. So I'm gonna readers digest this a little okay. bit. So, and not that you didn't do a great job, Chris, because... Sure. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so, that people that still have misgivings about watching this movie. Sure. I, I do the same thing I do with Critters 2. You know how much I love yeah. Critters 2. I said, it's like, if you saw the first one, okay, most people say, oh, yeah, I saw that. You know the ha- eggs hatching at the end? Mm. Well, this time, it's Easter in the town. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. And then I just go, okay, this dude who loves jokes... <laughs> Wants to kill all the kids in in the world, especially in America, right. with his Halloween masks. He's going to commit mass genocide on Halloween. Yeah. You want to see if he pulls it off or not? Okay, watch it. Yeah, it's, it's good. That, that's yeah. pretty much that, it. That's, that's the elevator pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. That, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Where do I sign? <laughs> well, so, it's already been made. So, oh, okay. Yeah, well. But yeah, I I think like here's a plot that they won't do today again. You know, like, yeah. like we're going to kill all the kids. Right, yeah. Oh, no, wait, like, ex- stop. Almost exclusively children, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this guy has it in. Like, yeah. and and he truly believes that he's right about this. Yeah. That's what makes him evil and scary. Sure. And we're going to do it on a, a holiday that... And he's, it's like he's resenting the fact yeah. that it's been taken over by children. It's been commercialized, and it's about candy and kids instead of what it's supposed to be, which is like sacrifices and harvests and whatnot. They don't get super specific about... He does the typical villain, I'm going to explain the entirety of my plan to you before I kill you for no reason. Oh, yeah. But they, don't, they, they get kind of specific, but not specific enough for you to really put things together. Right. I, this is just my psychoanalysis yeah. of him uh he's definitely one of the best bond villains ever that wasn't in a bond <laughs> exactly, movie yeah. because his explanations are great yeah and he's very over the top yeah uh even though he's very understated early on but you know there's something wrong with him because right. he's just too nice right. anybody that's too nice in a horror movie or yeah. a thriller by the way yeah. especially a detective movie yeah is the bad guy yeah so yeah it's just once you it becomes a murder mystery that turns into a mass genocide yeah (laughs) it's it's amazing like in that sense if you really break it down you're just like whoa yeah and uh i kind of hate the fact that this movie wouldn't get made today not that i'm for the mass genocide of children (laughs) i do believe we have too many people in this world but this is definitely taking it a bit too far (laughs) uh Uh, reel me back in chris where do we go from here (laughs) so yeah just talking about like what i feel watching this movie of course invasion of the body snatchers also a little bit of wicker man because of everything we were just talking about but even yeah. when they come into... So, Dr. Dan and Ellie decide to go together to the town of Santa Mira. Because that was the last place that her father was seen alive. And, well, before he get, before he ended up in the hospital. Yeah. And he owns a Halloween shop and he has these masks. And the masks are made in this town. Of course, those are the masks that Cochran puts little bits of Stonehenge <laughs> into. I don't care if I spoil them. Yeah, I mean, that right there. Yeah. Like... <laughs> and and he has this plan to certain frequency or like flashing lights or whatever on the TV makes yeah. this 
piece of Stonehenge shoot lasers to make it open a portal for like bugs and snakes in the person's face. Yeah. That's that's pretty much it how it goes, yeah. right? Somehow it gets all those eggs to appear inside of your body yes. and hatch immediately. Yeah. <laughs> and kill you from the inside. But when they first arrive into the town, it's one of those like small towns and everybody's kind of watching Dan and Ellie as they come into town. So it's that it feels like everybody's in on it, which they aren't really when you everything's revealed, but right. they sort of are. They're part of a cult and they don't even know it. Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the weird thing about that town. So, no one's in on it except for the ones who are inside. Right. Like some of their, like even their front desk. Yeah. They're not in on it. Yeah. The, the front desk of the Silver Shamrock Factory. Yeah. All those, like, the six ladies that work there. How, why yeah. they need six secretaries, I don't know. Right. But they're, they're not in on it. There's right. no way. Yeah. It's and just, even the yeah. guy at the motel that they stay at is, he's obviously subservient to this Cochrane guy, but only because he has money and he's bringing money to the town. Yeah. Not because he's actually in on the plot to kill everyone. Because this is not a vacation destination. No. This is, if people are doing business in the town, they're going to stay at that one motel. Yeah, that one motel, and they're only doing business at the Silver Shamrock um, factory because there's nothing else in the town. No. Yeah. Um, I found out, uh, I've been looking at pictures, the town still looks apparently like just like it did in the oh. movie. So yeah, the because yeah. it's a milk factory, the, yeah. the Silver Shamrock thing is, is filmed and it apparently still looks the same. I'd yeah. like to, to go there one day, that'd be cool. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, uh, I remember on the Horrors Hollow Grounds special on this one, which is a really good episode of it, Yeah, he talks about how the motel burned to the ground oh, in the things. 80s. So yeah. you can't, you cannot go stay in the this Motel is... Rafferty or whatever yeah. it is. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, and it, it's apparently when you roll in the towns a lot like that. People do stare at you because they're yeah. not used to people rolling Small in. town, everybody knows everybody. Yeah, so traveler beware. Right. <laughs> Just don't buy any masks while you're there. Oh, man. But yeah, we're, we're jumping around. Oh, by the way, you, you mentioned the masks. Yeah, yeah. They actually made those masks and sold them in stores at the time. Can you yeah. imagine what it would have been like to have one of those right yeah. now? I, I Doing a little research for this, I looked up. Or I found an article in Fangoria that was made while the movie was still being made. And in the front, like back front cover, there's a full page ad for the masks. It's not like for the movie, it's for the three masks that featured in the upcoming Halloween 3 season of The Witch. It was like a mail order. And yeah. It was probably something yeah. disgusting, like $10 with shipping I mean, it was or something. It was real cheap, yeah, for like all three masks. Man. And apparently like the masks were, the witch and the skull were just like stock masks that whatever mask maker they had for the mm. production they didn't have enough money to get like three original designs <laughs> so they just gave them those two and then they designed the pumpkin jack-o'-lantern mask specifically because you kind of have to it's halloween oh, yeah right? yeah absolutely so I just that, was, that was a good cool. idea too because that's the one the kid wanted yeah oh, right <laughs> <laughs> i mentioning the jack-o'-lantern i did like the the computerized jack-o'-lantern in the opening credits of the movie so yeah very much connecting it to the previous two and a lot of the halloween movies in yeah. the series but in that you couldn't tell what it was at first because it was just these the orange flashing lights that the kids see before they bugs fly out of their face yeah and so i just thought that was pretty cool yeah the computer graphics because we are we've definitely entered the computer age yeah Plus, it, it looks like, I don't even know what you call it, I guess it's just the pixels or graphics yeah. or whatever, but it looks like something you're, like a pumpkin you're trying to print out. Yeah, but you're seeing like it the in dot matrix printers. Yeah. yeah, you're seeing it in different spots. You're not seeing it from the ground floor. Yeah. So the reveal is really cool on that. Yeah. But yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that it was tied into the first two. Mm. Because, I mean, it's cool to have that pumpkin intro. There's two other big tie-ins 
to this, and we kind of only recently discovered this in the last few years. Uh, one was kind of a new reveal. Okay, so the obvious one is Nancy Loomis. Mm-hmm. So Nancy Loomis plays the doctor's estranged ex-wife. Or separated ex? wife. Or, I don't know. I, I, it's, uh, that's a little unclear. Cause, well, ooh. I guess they must be... Because something about him like taking the kids, I think, or spending time with the kids. I can't right. remember exactly how we put it. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I don't think he's living there. Yeah. It does not seem it that seem way. Like he is, yeah. And he also dresses like a separated dad from the 80s. That's true. Because he dressed exactly the way mine did. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, I'm just going to go with that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, all childhood trauma aside, so Nancy Loomis is in it, being a very frumpy, you know... Yeah. Uh, unhappy uh, probably newly single mom let's sure. go with that yeah. and you barely notice her if it wasn't for that voice yeah. i don't think anybody would have recognized yeah. her initially because she disguised herself so well in it yeah i think she was tommy lee wallace's uh, wife at the time oh really or something like that mm. yeah uh but there's that so she initially was thought to be the only person that appeared in the first three movies mm-hmm. uh, with the exception of the stock footage used uh, yeah in, in in the film for the first Halloween. Yeah. Come to find out that the voice of the telephone operator and the voice of the, the curfew announcements yeah, yeah. over the PA that goes all through the town yeah. is Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, you had mentioned that. I never knew that. It had been so long since I'd seen it, but then we were listening this time when we watched it. We were like, yeah. yeah, that's her. That's definitely her. There's no way it's not her voice. Yeah. I, I saw some people out there saying... Well, this may or may not be her. I'm like, no, it's her. It's it's got it. Yeah, it's her for sure. <laughs> so and yeah. yeah, the shape from the previous movie, Dick Warlock is in this movie as well. Yes, yeah. the great Dick Warlock. Yes, at least the great named yes. Dick Warlock. And he gets you get to see his face in this one. Yes, uh, he is one of the. We haven't even mentioned the the android thugs that are <laughs> yeah. invading this town in a way. He is. I don't know what to describe them as. So this Cochran guy is apparently a genius of robotics. And the guy that we see killing Ellie's dad in the beginning turns out to be a, a robot, android, whatever. And there are multiple of these throughout the movie. And they, I think a few of them do talk, actually, towards the end. I think so. I want to say some of them did. Yeah, like... Maybe uh, not. I don't know. No. One of them sneezed. <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah, yeah so I don't, I don't think they talk. I guess no. not. No, yeah. But... Uh, Dick Warlock is one of the ones later in the movie. He gets punched in the gut by Dan, and he pulls out his robotic innards, these tubes and stuff, and it's got this orange goo that's all going down his arm. But going a little bit back, so on this murder mystery, I do need to talk about how good and or bad of a detective team Dan and Ellie are, because... Mm -hmm. You were talking about Dan being separated probably from his wife Linda played by Nancy Loomis. So when they go off on this journey to Santa Mira to find out who killed Ellie's father, I never once got the sense that Dan ever really took this seriously. He seemed to see young, pretty woman. She wants to go on a weekend trip with me. I'm going to do that. And the only thing that he really works towards is basically sleeping with her. And everything else involving looking into the murder and everything else they just happen to stumble upon it is brought directly to their doorstep literally at one point when they're in the motel yeah and they have no choice but to follow it because they're just tied up into it they don't really seek it out other than getting to santa mira they have no detective skills whatsoever 
Yeah, and obviously uh, she's never been on a sting operation before because at one point when they weasel their way into the tour of the factory, much to Cochran's chagrin, uh, she sees her dad's car in in one of those like factory housing uh, storage units uh, being covered up with a sheet. It was terribly covered up in the first place. By the way, bad job robots, bad robot. Uh, and then she completely blows the whole thing yeah. like by like reacting to the car right. she's the worst like you expect to find something so don't act surprised when you see it right and then she basically blew it for herself right there right yeah. off the bat so she kind of did herself in honestly yeah skip uh, try not to skip ahead too much but yeah, yeah. yeah i mean no poker face at all you got to have poker face you got to yeah. be a good actor if yeah. you're going to do a sting operation that's like uh you know detective work 101 here right i mean to be fair they neither one are detectives and they probably didn't expect to find this huge conspiracy involving murder and whatnot because in the first i think it's the first night there in the motel the woman who is also there to go to the mask factory ends up dying and cochran ends up coming with all his android minions and dan is going up to confront him but she's like no don't ellie's like pulls him back it's like there's if there's any lead they're all like no let's actually not do any of that the only time they really go for it is when they go to question cochran face to face in the factory and the the goofy ones um bud bud i think or buddy buddy and his wife and the little kid the the hicks from some southern state wherever that are there to also buy masks yeah and usually and we say this as people that live in the south usually hicks are the garbage people in these movies but we were kind of having that actually no these aren't garbage people they're they're on for what they are and i hate to sound like a qualifier (laughs) right but they are not garbage people the kid was a little bit garbage he was a little bit garbage but he's a kid and and much i you know like i said don't agree with cochran 100 (laughs) percent. but that's the kind of kid he's thinking of yeah when he planned this whole thing yeah for sure yeah Uh, he just a little bonus uh that he got just by them having to be visiting the factory that weekend (laughs) yeah so yeah, no, there's no garbage people in this movie. Even the homeless guy is probably the closest to it, honestly, in my opinion. But he's, yeah, he's but he's not a bad guy. He's not a bad guy. He's he's yeah. been wronged by Cochran, who came into the town. Yeah. He does kind of represent the natives of this town, who basically it's been taken over. And once you kind of get to the end of the movie, you can you get the sense that. When he came in, these all these androids that he has as his minions yeah. were actually people living in the town that he, possibly, that he took and replaced. That's kind of what it feels like, considering at the end of the movie what happens with one of the main characters. Yeah, you definitely get that impression. Like, yeah. hey, how did he come across all these? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. has he been building these guys for decades? Because like... at the end of the movie, we realize that after Ellie blows their cover... Um, Cochran is quick to abduct her. And yeah, he moves real fast. Yeah. I mean, not that it's a big town, but right? He had someone right over there. Yeah. So, so, and Dan goes into the factory to try and save her, and the whole big thing, which we'll get to in a second. Yeah. But he finds Ellie, and they go away, and it turns out that she's an android now. So, yeah. clearly, he either repurposed her skin, or he just worked really quickly and made a mold and a cast and everything. Yeah. And, and made a robot out of her or something (laughs) whatever that is like it gave me the impression that all of the other robot people 
are replacements as well because mm. he's working in a factory with mass-produced masks that are like they're all the same so why would he go through the trouble of making a different face for all of his minions to me that says they have to be people that were yeah. abducted and switched and not a lot of them were from that town by what the homeless guy was saying yeah. so you think he'd he use us he, he brought his own guys in yeah. you know so, so yeah. yeah so it's there there are some i don't want to say plot holes but there are some questions there 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 are a lot of gaps i okay. will say yeah, there it's, you go. yeah a lot of contrivances one of the biggest and best ones of course involves stonehenge and the <laughs> fact that when whenever he does the james bond villain explanation of his plan yeah. dan is like how did you get stonehenge over here and he's like oh yeah it was weird huh like that's yeah. basically the whole conversation it's he like, doesn't explain it he's like yeah that was an undertaking oh man that was a big to do <laughs> yeah so what happened was one day uh they got the wrong truck uh for a delivery uh-huh. it was supposed to because this is 1982 think about this uh, yeah it was supposed to go this was supposed to go to spinal tap so and they they someone had just ordered a mini of stonehenge at that factory mm-hmm. and so they brought the real thing part up there Okay, I'm drowning here, but that's where it was supposed to go. If if they had gotten it, then sure. they wouldn't have uh, broken up towards the end of the movie at that point, and there would have been a big disaster at the at the concert. If they had had like a, a Spinal Tap song as the the closing credits, that would have been great. Yeah, it's kind of what it deserved a little bit, yeah. you know, Stonehenge. Because yes. it does get super goofy towards the end when Dan goes in there, he tries to save Ellie, and it's the James Bond thing. He puts him. He Cochran sets Dan, Doctor Dan, down in that chair, and yeah. he's gonna make him put on a mask and and die with the rest of everyone else. And so yeah. why not just kill him? Like, why not replace him? Like, why'd you do that? So the first mistake Cochran made, besides yeah. giving away the plot, yeah. was putting him in a chair that's exactly like the one you're sitting in right, right. now. It's got wheels on it, <laughs> right? So, right there, that's how you go over to the TV, yeah. kick the TV in, get the glass shard out of the TV, yeah. and cut your rope loose, yeah. and do that great throw with the mask on the camera. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, if you're going to kidnap somebody, don't put them at least within kicking distance of the television right. or have wheels on the chair. Yeah. I feel like there are wheels in the chair, but regardless, like... he was way too close to that TV. Yeah. Should have been all the way at the end of the thing. But even then, you can hop and hop and hop and hop. He could have just gotten one of his robot guys to crush his head or something. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. That's a, they they just can't leave well enough alone. Yeah. Like, you got to leave nothing to chance if you're going to pull off the mass genocide right. of all time. This guy who came to seek you out specifically, like, you're yeah. just going to let him live? It's weird. You let a separated shitty dude in a <laughs> members only jacket right. to fuck up your shit <laughs> like you he he was so quick to kill off his greatest buyer yeah yeah exactly <laughs> like, yeah he was so quick to do that yeah but this other guy who hates him yeah no we'll let it let it drone out <laughs> gonna, we want bugs to come out of his head too right so like yeah just do the the dick warlock beheading nothing wrong with it yeah stick with what works yeah exactly and so getting to that i do want to talk about some of the stuff that i really did like about the movie and i did like a lot of the effects and the stuff and we're kind of making fun of the plot but it's still it makes enough sense to be fun and it's it's just kind of a fun movie it's not a great movie but it's it's pretty fun but that's what i like about it because by the time you get to all these weird reveals yeah it makes sense. Yeah. You, you, it, without... It makes a weird kind of sense. Well, yeah, exactly. Without sounding like one of those armchair film critics, yeah. 
by the time you get to any of this other extra weird stuff, it's what the film deserves by that point. Yeah. And you're already set in it. Yeah. And so that's why it just plays. Yeah. Just let just it play. Let it let it pull you along. Yeah. Because it is going to get real weird, but yeah. that's, that's what you're here for. But except it's 1982, guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it, they were definitely going against the grain because the big one, the big stuff at the time were the gory slasher movies. Yeah, we're already, this... like, what, at least three Fridays in, maybe, almost at that point? I, uh, at least yeah. getting on to the third one. Yeah, around there, yeah. You know, Nightmare was just about to come out, yeah. and then all the Jamie Lee stuff had been coming out. Yeah, all uh, the knockoffs and stuff were already proliferating yeah. like all over the place. So. I like how they kind of moved away from that while everybody yeah. else wasn't. Like, you know, he was doing The Fog with Jamie Lee. Yeah. And so was Tom Atkins, by the way. Yeah. And other things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, had to get that one in there because he is a ladies' man. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they kind of moved you know, away from that it was like everything old is new again we're gonna we're gonna go back into like more sci-fi noir-esque type yeah. stuff while everybody else is just doing buckets of blood and that's you gotta hand it to him for trying at least yeah and that's what tommy lee wallace tried to do the gore and stuff that i do like the effects the effects are pretty grotesque oh. at times yeah i just want to talk about some of those because they're they're a lot of fun and they're a big draw for the movie for people who we're expecting something different this is going to be something that may keep you watching to see what happens next because there's uh marge gutman who is the the woman by herself that is a mask seller too apparently when she gets lasered by the piece of stonehenge like early in the movie because she's messing with she's fiddling with it trying to open the she sees the little tag the silver shamrock thing on there and just open it she gets lasered it's a cheesy laser effect but then she just has this gaping hole in her face and then you see those gross bug things. Yeah. They're not roaches. They're like some sort of. They're like like they're something from Africa or something. Yeah. They got they got some sort of wild animal handler yeah. to like bring in something really bizarre. And yeah. Like let's get something no one's ever seen. Yeah. If it's, you're gonna get something no uh, everybody's seen, then you're gonna want to do it in mass, like what they yeah. do later on. And so that and she still seems alive when they start coming out. <laughs> yeah. So it's really it's disturbing yeah. because it's not what you'd expect, it, which would just be like blood and gore. It's not yeah. that. It's it's all different. And then when the one kid, the, the the Hick family, when the kid gets killed in that, they send him off into this room and has to have him put on the mask that he wants. He wants to wear the mask. Mm-hmm. And then when he watches the thing, he just starts shaking and convulsing, and then he falls over, and you see the the, the mask kind of shrivel and the it's like acidity like yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, the snakes and bugs come out. Like it's it's pretty disturbing. Yeah. And you think about that's his plan for pretty much every kid in the united states at least yeah yeah the so. goddamn rattlesnake comes out of him because at yeah. one point it starts off with like the serpent like the one yeah. that's probably not vicious yeah. and won't kill you right and then all of a sudden we double down and now there's a rattlesnake coming yeah. out of him which is the thing that will finish off the parents right one of them's fainted the other one's just kind of getting overwhelmed yeah and so that's that's the home run for him right there is the yeah. rattlesnake it's like jeez, yeah. man <laughs> And then, of course, the beheading, and then the the so the death scenes, the few that there were of like actual death scenes, yeah. were a lot of fun in this. Fingers in the eyes. Yeah, the the <laughs> guy at the beginning of the movie gets he, yeah. his eyes are gouged out, and his face is crushed by one of the. You don't know he's a robot at that yeah. point. Yeah. But he's unusually strong for yeah. a person, and yeah, so it's a lot of fun. I think the fight between robot ellie and dan at the end it gets a little ridiculous it gets a little evil deadish yeah even the two-ish as yeah, far as yeah. like <laughs> just it keeps coming and keeps coming 
even when she's being dismembered and the arm comes after him and it gets a little well it's already silly by that point sure like i said you need to just accept it exactly (laughs) so you're like okay let's let him run off into the woods and and try to try to warn people so and then we're finally getting to the end i guess because that is right before the the finale and i liked how this movie ended i really liked the kind of sort of open not so ambiguous but a little bit open to interpretation kind of ending right like you said the invasion of the body snatchers is sort of the same um but so because he's looking into the screen by the end of it just like in body snatchers yeah so and he dr dan calls up i don't know who he's calling (laughs) that's the thing like i mean we we can accept the fact that like an er doctor knows cops sure and he's got some pull in the town. Yeah. But who is he on the phone yeah. with? Like, did he get the head, like, operator, get me the head of the FCC? Right, I mean, like, you exactly. have to go that high up that quickly. Yeah. And that's your first dial? Yeah. Like, what? He's... And he got two <laughs> channels off the yeah. air yeah. with a third one on the way. Yeah. So he's calling to get the TV stations, <laughs> all TV stations, to not air this program it was like a sweepstakes event that cochran had set up a fake sweepstakes to get all the kids to watch tv at the same time wearing their masks we never knew what the prize was that's the other thing the prize were bucks and snakes yeah they never knew what the prize was either i I get that but like are you gonna partake in a contest you don't know what you're gonna get if you win i mean it would have to become that grand yeah and like just this big what is it i I don't know all my friends are doing it if i'm a dumb little kid i might do it yeah I don't know. I love that E.T. trick-or-treating shot, like, over over yeah. the top of, like, California, yeah. obviously. Yeah. That thing is bitching. Like, yeah. it's just such a great shot with the with the kind of side fish lens thing. Going yeah, on. it's the scene where they're showing all the different cities throughout America where the kids are all wearing these masks. And it's, the, the one you're talking about is the one that's used on most of the posters, I think. Yeah. Where it's, yeah, because yeah, it's such a good shot. Yeah. And there's a lot of good directing and images in the movie, the very memorable the kid convulsing with the mask on and really disturbing stuff so yeah, yeah and overall, you get that shot of his kids sitting you yeah, know those are his kids yeah. sitting in front of the tv and that's one that's a really good part too because he calls his wife and he's like yeah. get them to take those masks off yeah like and she's the one that bought them the masks so she thinks that he's trying to get at her yeah and so i think that's all set up really well and it's yeah because it kind of shows the character of the doctor it's like he's been such a douchebag apparently like his whole life he seems like an okay guy if you if you're friends with him yeah but he also seems like kind of a douche yeah yeah exactly and yeah I've, I've never thought he was super likable yeah like it's it's the new ironic love of him yeah as like this guy that'll just fuck anything like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's really is that like he kind of has a chuck norrisy kind of look to him but it's like Chuck Norris with no skills. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, he's a doctor, but you yeah. know, it's an everyman. It, sure. It's like, yeah. but he, but he really wants to be, and he really thinks he is. Yeah. Like he's that kind of a guy. Yeah. And I know Tommy Lee Wallace said I liked using him because he was an everyman. Oh yeah. He wasn't like this guy, like on a soap opera that yeah. you know it's like you're way too good looking for what goes on in your life. You right. know, like, so I, I I appreciate that aspect yeah. of it, but yeah, it's just. It, that's definitely where kind of the love is i think it's like oh yeah. this this funny like swinging every man mustache <laughs> yeah. and all this stuff and that, that's where all that comes yeah. from but, he yeah. he's just a guy that's overwhelmed and 
doesn't really realize what he's gotten himself into, not just in the murder mystery aspect of it, but even apparently in his marriage, because he screwed that up real bad. Yeah, and he's obviously sleeping with a tech, too. Yeah. Like... (laughs) Or he did at one point, but now he's kind of stringing her along to yeah. get favors from her. Oh, and he you probably know. had sex with the other night nurse, too. Yeah, because like he was flirting with her real hard. And got and, handsy with her. Yeah, got handsy with her, and she didn't seem to... I mean, it was 1982, so yeah. people weren't called out on that sort of thing, no, so she may have no. just been tolerating it. Yeah. But it also leads you to believe that he's probably slept with most of the women he's he's worked with or he at least has attempted to sleep with most of the women he's worked with and being a doctor he was in that position where he could do that kind of thing and not be called out on it since it was 1982 sure yeah so it's not it's not a great movie for the for the new movement here but (laughs) it's you know it's a it's a fun little movie it's still i i enjoy watching it on halloween especially more so than some of these other ones yeah for sure yeah definitely it's we when we get to the rankings um this one is probably going to be an outlier because it's an outlier in the series yeah it's not actually part of the michael myers series of movies so we're still kind of i think we've decided that we're probably just gonna not rank this or we may put it if we were going to as far as like quality we may say like if it was within the halloween series and maybe put it here but we'll I'll try to do that but yeah i don't want to put it in the official official thing oh and real quick before we get out of here i did i did look up a little bit and i saw a tommy lee wallace thing and tried to find out you know like so what do you think happened yeah and that's usually how we end these kind of things if it leaves it like that what do you think happened well, apparently he got it. He got away with it. Because the channel did not get shut off. According oh, yeah. to the novelization of okay. the movie, uh, it happened. So the one channel, apparently. Well, the, in that the town. One, whoever was watching yeah. the one channel in every town, Yeah, probably. That's, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so those kids got it. So wherever you, if you had a... You definitely rolled the dice on the wrong channel that night. Right. <laughs> so whoever had the best show yeah. prior to that, or the best movie prior yeah. to that... Yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you, your kids died, and you probably died in the process. Right. If you were if you were lucky, and like were one of those shitty parents in the first Halloween, you were at some some other yeah. like adult Halloween party. True, true. You survived, and you came home to dead kids <laughs> and maybe a dead babysitter. That's dark shit. It is. Uh, and supposedly, uh, in lieu of the really cool new wavy sort of kind of like the original Halloween theme that John mm. Carpenter did for the end theme and the yeah. opening themes and all the really cool stuff throughout, yeah. even though he did collaborate with somebody in yeah. this one, yeah. uh, they were supposed to be just sounds of kids screaming for like the last minute, like <laughs> even as all. the credits rolled, yeah. and then maybe we fade into a song here. Yeah, because <laughs> there are kids screaming at, at the end of the movie as it is. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, that was the idea, supposedly, was that there was going to be a long line of kids screaming, oh. and then, yeah, so... It a little ha- bit too dark for a mainstream movie, I guess. Yeah, I think good taste prevailed for that yeah. part of it, because <laughs> I, I do like it, leaving it open a little bit. I it's a it, little open. We kind of went into this viewing thinking about that, and think because you sort of mentioned something about, along those lines before we watched it. So, when I watched the movie, I'm like, yeah, like kids died clearly kids died there yeah. to me there's no real argument there but it is open enough because you don't actually see any of it that you could say that maybe most of them got away or maybe the channel did get yeah. shut down just in time yeah the idea like i said the idea of a millions and millions of kids all over the country but even nowadays they would not kill that one kid just that one yeah like there would be notes there would be fights yeah you can't do this 
no matter how justifiable it is. But even stuff like today where they do the adaptation of it, yeah. the, the newest versions. Uh, now, like child endangerment, that's a super taboo subject. And if that hadn't been source material, yeah. they would not make that movie. I guarantee you, yeah. if it had been, number one, had been, I'm not beating up Stephen King. If it had yeah. been a Stephen King story and or sold millions and millions of copies yeah. and the material hadn't already existed, yeah. this would not be happening. Yeah. You don't do that anymore. You're probably you just right, don't. Yeah. Like, and when you do, it affects the whole film and somebody's going to jail or yeah. like someone's going to get God, like, <laughs> yeah. like we call this mother revenge. Yeah. Like it just doesn't happen. Yeah. And it's a big, huge fight to make it happen. And even I'm sure it was a hard sell nowadays, which seems weird, but yeah. somebody said something about kids in danger. Yeah. And it's just not the thing you do, apparently. Yeah, yeah. So, and I mean, thinking about yeah. the movies that I've seen where kids blatantly got killed. Uh, I mean, John Carpenter, Assault on Precinct 13 is one of the biggest ones oh. I can think of. Oh, man, like in the first act. Yeah, those back in the like 70s exploitation era, those sure. people get away with stuff like that. Yeah. Um, like later, like Pet Cemetery, when Gage died in the, mm. the original version yeah. of it. Like I remember, because I was kind of young when that came out, and I saw it, and that was a huge deal for me then. Yeah. And yeah, it, it probably, like you said, it's probably an even bigger deal at this point. The the new one kind of switched things around a little bit. Yeah. So that that's one you want to reference if you're kind of just like hey, everything's kind of watered down now. You want to yeah. see something a little edgy, a little bit yeah. dangerous, and this is kind of gonna be the movie for you, I think. Yeah. Without it just being over the top buckets of blood kind of thing. Yeah. And it it's works not, as a horror movie and a yeah. sci-fi movie. I think it works more as a sci-fi than a horror because I don't really I don't find it scary. It's more like the body horror aspect of it because of the the, the changes to the face and the things coming out. Yeah. But it's not really a straight up like horror. This is a scary thing. It's more of like a like I said a sci-fi kind of thriller-ish. We were just saying that because it doesn't have the creep show cockroaches in it instead, and they have crickets. That's instead. a gross out. That's not horror so much either. That's more of a gross out thing. It's that's body horror as well because of what happens at the end there. For sure, sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's all different things, and I, I may be getting a bit too film schooly, genre breaking downy. So yeah. I'll, I'll move away from that. And talking about the kills, you want to get to the kill? Count? Yeah, let, let's let's get to the stats. All right. So I have some qualifications on this as far as the kill count goes. Um, as far as people that we know for sure, humans who died, there were five. Wow. Ah. There was Harry, the father of Ellie, at the beginning of the movie. He had his eyes and face crushed in the hospital at the beginning of the movie. The second one was all the way towards, like, the after the halfway point of the movie. It was the homeless guy who gets his head ripped off. That's number two. Marge Gutman gets the laser to the face, the bugs coming out of her face. Um, that's number three. Number four is the son of the Hick family who gets the convulses and has the stuff coming out of his face mm -hmm. and then the doctor lady um i believe her name was teddy although i didn't get that in the movie i had to look it up on imdb oh, wow um the one that's that he continues to call and say hey are you done with that autopsy <laughs> on that dude that burned himself at the yeah. beginning of the movie yeah um she gets drilled in the head but it's yeah. off camera you don't see it but you know she dies yeah so those are the ones on screen deaths is five on screen absolutely well like i said teddy isn't technically on screen but you can hear it happen right so those are absolute five then the mom and the dad of the kid they're dead yeah, yeah of course because there's the rattlesnake in the room and they both faint and there's yeah. snakes everywhere yeah so they're dead that brings it up to seven cochran 
he disappears. I don't know if I count that as a death, but I kind of do for the purposes of what this is because sure. we don't see him in the movie again. I'm, I'm okay with putting it on him on the body count list. It involves yeah. Stonehenge when Dr. Dan brings down everything and the place starts to collapse. He, like, Stonehenge shoots him with a laser and instead of bursting into bugs, he just kind of looks up at Dan and disappears. Yeah. So I don't know what that's about. I'm counting it as a death. Kind of looks like a Yeti snowman kind of <laughs> thing. And, and yeah, and so are are we saying here that robots are like animals that they don't really count that much? Probably. There's one more person. Though. Oh, oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Ooh. Actually, this could be a doubled. So that's a good thing you okay. said that. Okay. Because Ellie, Ellie, uh, we don't see her after she's abducted. We think that we see her, but she turns out to be an android. I'm assuming that Ellie is dead. I'm counting her among the dead. Yeah, because her innards are gone. Like they definitely. Well, we don't least... know if that's her skin or if that's just <sighs> a van or yeah. a, a android body. I think she ought to count. I think because of the time she put in to this movie. Yeah, we're gonna go ahead and and memorialize her. Yeah. So, <laughs> human Ellie is number nine. That's nine humans. Pretty sure they're all dead. Yeah. Um, and then. <laughs> A whole bunch of kids as the movie ends, but I'm not going to count those because those were probably technically, they were still screaming at the end of the movie. So technically that's after the movie's over. They don't count within the movie. Yeah. And I got one for you. You know, we talked about breaking cliche yeah. and breaking like what people always say about horror movies. Mm. Uh, and I, I can't say this any other way, but uh, did you not expect the african-american gas attendant to die in this movie yet he did not he stuck around he seemed like he expected to die too because yeah. he's in the hospital like he's like am i done like, like can i go I, he could get out of there yeah. quicker and then he's like looking over his shoulder as he walks down the hallway he expected to die yeah so he's in three scenes yeah. plus he gets to be the baseball uh commentator yeah. on the tv <laughs> he got a promotion big yeah promotion by the end of the movie yeah yeah isn't that great yeah. so once again breaking cliche yeah I gotta, I gotta applaud him in almost the same kind of slow clap style that Cochran did towards the end of his <laughs> yeah. uh, lifespan there. So yeah, so he is not among the nine. Talking about the androids, so absolutely did die androids, but I'm not counting those among the humans. There's nine humans that are presumed dead. Yes. There were three and four androids, which we saw actually die. The one crushed between the cars at the beginning of the movie, the one that set himself on fire in front of the hospital... The Dick Warlock one that got yeah. punched in the gut, and then Ellie who got dismembered, Evil Dead Two style. <laughs> yeah. So. So that if you want to count humanoids, that's thirteen. Yeah. But humans pushing nine. It, yeah. 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 So and I, yeah, how many breasts were in the movie? There hmm. are one breast. Well, yeah, one lady. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, what do you, you see? Marge here. At least she died in her bathrobe. I mean, yeah. <laughs> in a bed yeah you see one breast so that's it that's it my breakdown and also oh, before i forget it was ellie by the way yeah 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 one one breast on ellie yeah. sorry yeah because she's hanging out with tom atkins and that that's what happens yeah. your, your clothes fall off at some point he sees the movie. her coming out of the shower he's like let's let's just get on the bed that's pretty uh, yeah. much how that scene goes yeah she uh she she went for it too not for nothing yeah, yeah. Her, so her dad died like two nights prior so she was feeling sad everybody deals with grief in their own way yes uh speaking of dealing with grief uh imdb they're they're half and half they're oh, yeah. like they're like half fans like hardcore fans and yeah. half like i saw this and i hated it so the imdb ranking officially as of this recording is 4.9 that's too low that's way too low i would put it i don't like star rankings i don't like 10 point scale rankings very yeah. much but 
Apparently that's the universal accepted way to do it. I would put it at probably around like a six and a half. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can respect that. So, and I, I say watch it. That's that's how we do this. No I say thumbs watch up, it. thumbs down. Yeah, watch it. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here and get on to four and then five. Yeah. And then others. <laughs> <laughs> there are more to go. Uh, we have still a lot to go. We are only three in. How many are we? Are there 11? I think we counted 11 sometime. Yeah, somewhere We'll, we'll around see there. what happens as we go along. Yeah. Next up are... Halloween 4, Back to the Well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 4 and 5, which I remember... I think I said this about everything so far. I remember enjoying 4 and 5 for what they were. And it's a return to the slasher formula. It's uh, Danielle Harris makes her debut in the series in parts 4 and 5. And I mentioned those together because they are together for sure. Yes. They are basically contained within their own their within this convoluted timeline which we'll get to later right because all the reboots and rehashes and whatnot oh, but i'm looking forward to rewatching four and five together and of course that'll be two separate episodes which you'll be able to find on cnjradio.com the home of the last theater and all of the cnj radio podcasts of course again search for all of our shows on apple podcast and spotify and any of your favorite podcasting platforms and let us know if we're not on what you use to listen to your podcast and we'll do our best to get on there as well sounds good to me i'll see you at four chris bye no one knows who they were or what they were doing but their legacy remains Stop it! 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 Stop it!